Welcome back to Awakening Reformation, where Reformation awakens now. My name is Grant, and joined with me is my beautiful wife, Erica, the weaker vessel. Hello, everyone. Joined also with us is Sandra and Scotty Rollett. Good evening. Hey, y'all. If you would like to find out more about Awakening Reformation podcast, you can go to rebelalliancemedia.com, and you can find two other podcasts in this media conglomerate. We do Fathers of the Faith for Covenant Kids podcast with our children. It's a short little podcast for families, for family worship, for bedtime stories, or what have you. It's a fun little time. It's a short podcast, only about 10 to 15 minutes. So it's great for commutes and just... Great little lessons for kids and families. Not too long for those little attention spans. Yes. The other podcast in the network is the Rebel Podcast with Peanut and Pootie. Mm-hmm. Up. Kristoff. Kristoff. <laughs> and Kristoff they... with a C-H. <laughs> yeah. Specifically C-H. It can't be a K. That's what Chris is short for. Right. Kristoff with yeah. a C-H. Because he's from Canada. Mm-hmm. The North. Even though I'm pretty sure, like, Kristoff from Frozen was not from Canada. And isn't most of Canada French? You know what? We don't have to get into this. Yeah, no, we don't. It's Kristoff. But they have a great podcast that comes out... They do. ...on Wednesdays. Mm-hmm. There are other blogs and teaching series and resources that come out on our social media accounts as well as on the website. Yep. So go check it all out. Subscribe to us where awesome podcasts are found. And starting today was what? Well, beginning today dropped the very first day of our Behold Your King Advent. And this is actually a project that all four of us worked on together, you and I and the Rollettes. Yeah. And it was a little bit of a labor of love. It started off as something that we wanted for our own families. We wanted to put together some type of liturgy for our own family worship throughout the Advent season. And it just kind of... Evolved into... Yeah, grew legs and took off on us. And so yeah. here we are. But it's really awesome. It'll include a hymn, scripture readings, questions to ask your kids, and it will be released every weekday, um, basically from today until Christmas. Yep. So not on the weekends, but the weekdays. Yep. So every morning, refresh your feed, and there should be a... New blog post. New blog post with the liturgy for your family worship advent. I am really excited to be doing this this season. Yeah, we're... We're very excited. It's something that we hope to reuse every year with our children and just make tradition. So go check we, it out. We hope you enjoy it and benefit from it. Take as pictures well. of your families using it, please, and post it on our social media. Yeah. Tag Rebel Alliance Media in your pictures of your family worship. That would be awesome. Whether it's you and your roommates, you and your kids, you and your parents, I mean, whatever. Just. Husband tag, and wife. Tag away, guys. Love it. So tonight we're going to get into some more Burkhoff, bite-sized Burkhoff. 
Yep, another episode of Bite Size Burkoff. <laughs> and tonight's topic is going to be scripture. Okay. What is scripture? This is the last of our intro as well. And so next right. week we'll get into the actual um yeah. like chapter basically. Yep. We are finishing up the intro and we will be talking about scripture tonight. All right, sounds good. So, here we go. From the discussion of special revelation, we pass on to that of scripture. The transition is natural and easy. Finish your you sentence. Want me to keep going? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> At least finish the I sentence. I, I thought I thought I was like this communication. I thought I was just supposed to like do that one little thing, and then you were gonna like you know take over like it was like a joke. Okay, go. I'm sorry. So thank goodness go that scripture actually does transition. From revelation <laughs> to the discussion. I can't even talk. Okay. Okay. All right. No, no. Just start over. Just start over. We'll do this. I'll do it right. Okay. From the discussion of special revelation, we pass on to that of scripture. The transition is natural and easy, since scripture is the book of God's special revelation. Three points call for consideration here. Namely, the relation of scripture to special revelation, the inspiration of scripture, and... They're and perf- the perfection of scripture. Why are you? Why are you gotta- with you? <laughs> she got a little anxious. She got a little anxious. Why? Why you gotta I cut was, me off? False start. I thought I'm just gonna jump in on the last line and just do it with her. False start. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Ten yard penalty. So the relation between special revelation and scripture. In general, it may be said that God's special revelation assumed a permanent form in Scripture. So what does that mean in layman's term terms? I would say that means if you want to experience or have a experience of special revelation, you have the Old and New Testament at your fingertips. Yeah, which are the permanent form of God revealing his plan for redemption to right. People. Which is what we were talking about. A special revelation is is God revealing His redemptive purposes, and so obviously we find that in the Bible. So the sense in which special revelation and Scripture differ. This is where you and I kind of had an interesting conversation earlier. Yeah. So if special revelation is just those moments of direct self communication by God. Then some would say that instances such as the Gospel of Luke, he went around and interviewed eyewitnesses to Jesus' life and compiled his account for Theophilus. This in and of itself was not a special self-communicating act of God to Luke. Mm -hmm. Now, we still say it's the Word of God, but some other people would say that Using the term special revelation in that specific sense, we cannot say that the Bible is God's word, but only that God's word is contained in the Bible. And And that's where you're kind of iffy. Yeah, and I I think Burkhoff is just presenting a way to look at it that some people have, and that is only if you're using special revelation in that specific sense. I don't know if he takes it that way. I think he's just saying if you take special revelation in that specific sense, um, then that's kind of what you have to admit. You have to admit that God's word is only contained in the Bible, Mm -hmm. not that all of God's word is special revelation. 
this is where people would say, okay, the the special revelation or the actual word of God starts when the prophet writes, thus says the Lord, and then that's when it starts. The stuff prior to that that was saying things like Isaiah was in this city on that day in this year, all that stuff, that's not really the word of God. The word of God is when the quotation marks start. And obviously, we'd have a problem with that. And Burkhoff does, yeah, or, too. Or the uh, red-letter Bible, uh, Bibles. Yeah, that that's an example of people taking special revelation to this very narrow, specific sense. Mm-hmm. I think that's what Burkhoff is getting at. So, in which sense do special revelation in Scripture coincide, then? Well, yeah. So, if you take special revelation, meaning anything that God uses to reveal redemptive facts or redemptive truths, then all of scripture does that. And so that's, that's where Burkhoff lands here and starts to, I think, solidify his stance on this is that every word of scripture does that. So every word of scripture is special revelation. Because it's uh, infallibly, infallibly inspired by the Holy Spirit. So the inspiration of Scripture, the Bible is, will continue be, to be the Word of God for all the successive generations of man, only in virtue of its divine inspiration. So basically he's so, saying, this is it. Yep. End all be all. Exactly. No, no other to follow. Dunzo. Nope. And therefore, like he says, it makes it the infallible rule of faith and practice for mankind. There's nothing else. Well, I, I love to see how he says, like, the Bible itself testifies abundantly to its inspiration. I'm like, it's kind of like God promising on himself, right? Yeah, it, it's everywhere that all the disciples, the prophets, I mean, everyone took scripture as the inspired word of God, that it came from God. It wasn't just some dude's ideas. No, this is God saying, hey, this is how it works. So there are two erroneous views of inspiration that Burkhoff talks about. One is the mechanical inspiration, which is that God basically took over the biblical authors and dictated the words. Like he basically possessed them. Yeah. I mean, in body experience. Yeah. Turned them into a robot, basically. So they're person. I mean, this just doesn't make sense because all the books are written differently, like stylistically different, but that is a view. I don't, an erroneous one. Yeah, an erroneous view. Another one is a dynamical view, which is that history books are not as important as doctrine books, and writers were kind of the more uh, inspired thing, not just what they what they specifically wrote. But there might be errors. Basically, they try to put it to where there's a fallibility in the word. Basically, they're they're trying to put the human dynamic uh, into the scripture yeah. and trying to take out the Holy Spirit inspired. Yeah, the dynamical inspiration view basically was a overreaction to the mechanical inspiration. It renounced that there was any direct operation of the Holy Spirit, Burkhoff says. The organic inspiration? Yes, this is what we would all hold to. So this is the truth. So, Burkhoff teaches us organic inspiration. The theory of inspiration, which is now generally accepted in reform circles, is usually called organic inspiration. Uh, The term organic... We all know that reformed ladies like that term organic. Right? 
Are, are you telling me you have an oil, an oil for me later? <laughs> I cannot comment. Is that general or special revelation? <laughs> a few I feel drops like, will heal you. I feel like it's both. No one knows, but it's provocative. And so, okay. So, God the Holy Spirit used the authors just as they were with their character, temperament, gifts, talents, their education, culture, and illumined their minds and prompted them to write that the Holy Spirit repressed the influence of sin on their writing it. And this is how scripture came about. They were working together. So two authors is what we would say. I like what he says here. It represents the writers of scripture, not as mere amanuenses, but as real authors who, while sometimes recording direct communications of God, yet on other occasions, set down in writing the results of their own historical investigations, like we were talking about Luke. So organic inspiration is where we're at with this. So the extent of that inspiration then? Well, this is just like liberal nonsense. They they go to, like Scotty was saying, red letter. Oh, that's the only inspired part. Or only uh, the Sermon on the Mount is the only thing that can be trusted. Like, or Yeah. And so it's just... Something actually put in sermon form. I mean, I don't know how you really determine what is or is not inspired. It's all or nothing. And scripture lends to this view too, because 2 Timothy 3.16 says all scripture is inspired by God. Not parts of it. So, well, I mean, for me, that's um, case closed. I mean, I'm just saying that Burkhoff put here, and I just, I don't feel like it can be said any more perfectly. The Bible must be believed for its own sake. It is the inspired word of God and therefore addresses man with authority. Exactly. On page 45, number D, this is super important when it comes to Bible translations. Burkhoff has a section here and it says, inspiration extends to the very words of scripture. Some Bible translations do not translate every word. I don't feel that many people really understand that. They just kind of, this is what I grew up on, so that's what I go with. Or, you know, or, oh, the message sounds really good, so I'm going to roll with it. Yeah, and there's always a struggle in translating one language to another, because if you do translate Greek exactly word for word, it's not really going to make much sense in English. But there are Bible translations that legit leave out words Scripture is the best way to point us toward God's redemptive purposes. And even though there are many difficult passages in the Bible, Burkhoff points out the perspicuity of Scripture, which is that any person is able to pick it up and read it and is able to glean the truths necessary to understand what God requires of them. Like, it is knowable. It is knowable. And it's not to say that There aren't difficult places in the Bible to understand. The sufficiency of Scripture is where he finishes up. And again, we say that we don't need anything else to guide our Christian life and practice. We don't need an extra word from the Lord. When we hear that, when we hear things like the sufficiency of Scripture, what is the difference between the sufficiency of Scripture and the infallibility of Scripture? Because this is a distinction that could also be made, and I think might be very helpful. When we say that scripture is sufficient, what are we saying? We are saying that there is nothing outside of scripture that we need 
to understand God's will for our lives. Yes. And the infallibility of scripture is that what is in scripture is actually factual. Exactly. So I recently heard that distinction being made and nitpicked. I think it was on renewing your mind, but that was very helpful to understand the difference between the infallibility and the sufficiency of scripture. That's your bonus content. Awesome. (laughs) Well, I think. What do you guys have to say for yourselves? Honestly, like when I opened this up and I was like, okay, here we go. I'm going to seminary now. This is going to be a big one when I was reading through the table of contents. But then when I really sat down with it in front of me, I was like a little nervous. But I I really enjoyed how he broke everything down. Mm-hmm. He is um, a very simple writer. And he went writer. through those things because I felt like once I read it, once I got through it all, I was like, this is so good to break down. Just so you have that complete understanding of how perfect God is. It's a good framework, too. You know, when we went through this in our Sunday school class last year, it was just very helpful to, like, have this as a framework by which to build everything else on. He'll really go through each level of doctrine and just really set it up so nicely. And he's so good at at having one doctrine flow into the next one which just yeah. keeps building on the previous doctrine and it's he's just very gifted that way yeah it's very well written and it's very simple so all right so are you guys good yeah we're good yeah all right well we thank you guys for listening we hope it was edifying and beneficial and that you tune in next week as we continue working through Burkhoff's book now that we're finally out of the introduction yeah right let's get into the meat of stuff <laughs> All right, we pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened by the power of the Holy Spirit. And until next time, get woke. Yeah, let's start with the microphone check. One, two, first. Water to the dry and weary soul of the true church. The kind of things that few search. They say that the truth hurts. Well, this pain is gained, so let's explain the new birth. First things first, can't neglect this at the start. I must preface my remarks with the deadness of the heart from original sin. The effects of the fall. The sin of our first parents brought death to us all. Since Adam was our federal head, what he did counted for us. In him were all rebels and dead. Yo, captured in the mind, disaster, sin and crimes in a dark state. Alaska in the wintertime, sour in our frames. Left to ourselves, we be devoured in the flames. Cause we're powerless to change. If you feel that way, I pray that you respond happily. As you see what Jesus had to say in John chapter 3. That verse 1 is my thesis It's the deepest truth that should get you speechless What scripture teaches will fill in the missing pieces Picture Jesus meeting up with Nicodemus Perhaps it was fright about the other Pharisees Wicked spite against Christ that turned this into naked night He called the rabbi and gave him props Said he was a teacher from God Jesus replied, made him stop Regarding the kingdom of God, no one's going in In fact, you can't even see it unless you're born again That must have consumed and stretched his mind Cause he said, can a man enter his mother's womb a Naturalistically, the only way for him to hear it Jesus said you must be born of the water and the spirit No other way to enter heaven 
That sounds like Ezekiel 36, 25 to 27. In this new birth, the spirit is the source and the agent. The water symbolizes spiritual purification. Yeah. Flesh can only produce flesh. That's true and factual. Regenerating work of the spirit is supernatural. It's kind of like the wind, which is free. East to west can't perceive the steps. You can only see its effects. In the same way, the Holy Spirit chooses who he pleases to sovereignly open their eyes to the truth of Jesus. For the spirit's mysterious operation uh -huh. We will all be under serious condemnation I'd still be rejecting the sun If God hadn't said let there be light Like Genesis 1 yeah. And just like the light could not refuse to shine Irresistible grace has renewed my mind Let's exalt the king who died and truly is risen The new birth is not the effect of human decision But the cause It changes our natural habitation and situation It's a radical transformation I was cursed and polluted So my dirt was inexcusable With new internal his person is beautiful, his worth is indisputable The land is amazing, a standing ovation for his work in the crucible So let us respond with true worship and love To the God who was given new birth from above